0: Welcome, everyone, to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is episode 163, and we're reviewing High School of the Dead. As always, there'll be spoilers throughout this episode. Happy Halloween, everyone. We are in the week of Halloween, and I'm so excited because it's my favorite holiday.
1: Yeah, and one of my favorites because there's... There's candy at the end of the month.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. Happy Halloween, everyone. We're really excited about this episode because we're talking about the one and only High School of the Dead that took the anime world by storm. It's pretty much cemented its place as one of the most iconic ecchi, but it's also one of the best zombie anime that we have.
1: Yeah, especially with ZOM 100 currently on hiatus. Why not turn to the next best zombie-related anime with added perks?
0: Nice. (laughs) (laughs) But our review of High School of the Dead isn't the only thing that we've got for you guys to celebrate Halloween. We're super, super excited to share that we're collaborating with Tokyo Treat to bring you guys Japanese snacks and candy just in time for Halloween, the holiday that's all about snacks and candy.
1: Yes, I was so excited when this opportunity came up for our podcast, especially since we haven't been to Japan in almost a year now. And I'm really craving those sweet, savory Japanese snacks, especially the ones from like the Konbini or wherever else.
0: Yeah, me too. I, that's one of my favorite things about going to Japan is being able to have all of the awesome snacks that they have there that we'll never get here. And funny enough, I recently went to our local Japanese grocery store and while they have a lot there, they just don't have the selection and the really cool limited edition items that you get when you are in Japan. But that's one of the things that is great about Tokyo Treat is that they're sending that stuff right to you. And for those who aren't familiar, Tokyo Treat is a monthly pop Japanese subscription box. So in each box, you get up to 20 of the latest exclusive limited edition and seasonal flavored Japanese snacks that are again, only available in Japan for a limited time. Things like Sakura Pepsi, Japanese sake Kit Kats, ramen, so much more. And so Tokyo Treat was so kind as to send us this month's subscription box and the theme is Mount Fuji Snack Venture. Which
1: is perfect because neither of us have visited Mount Fuji. (laughs) Actually I have. Oh you have? Yes. (laughs) Okay well then I haven't visited Mount Fuji but I I will get a kick out of this box. Um, It does come with a booklet that contains the snacks that are Featured in the box as well as allergen information, which is fantastic. Um, I haven't seen any other box that has that sort of details and even fun facts about Mount Fuji itself. Like, did you know that around 300,000 people climb Mount Fuji each year?
0: Oh, shit. Well, I was not one of those people. I just made (laughs) it to like the very lowest point and then I was like, that looks great. And then that's all I did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know there was a, a recent news story about a pizza delivery person who made it all the way to the top of Mount Fuji to deliver pizza. Uh, So, yeah, a lot of fascinating things about one of Japan's most famous natural landmarks.
0: And so a little more about this theme. It's the enchanting fall season that's upon us. What better way to savor this perfect season than amidst the majestic mountains? This month, Tokyo treat invites you on a trip to Mount Fuji with exclusive snacks inspired by it, like Mount Fuji green tea cake, Mount Fuji sandwich cookie, sweet potato sable cookie, and wasabi potato chip. Ooh, I'm, I'm nervous about that one. I'm not good with spicy stuff. But yeah, there's a ton of stuff in this box. I, we were so surprised when we opened it. It was like snacks upon snacks upon snacks. And we did take some pictures of the Tokyo Treat box. So we'll share that on our Discord so you guys can see what comes in the box. And the link to join our Discord is in the description if you're not a
1: member already. Yeah, I just love the variety in this box. Like It's not just limited to candies or chips. Like There's an actual ramen packet in here that i'm excited to try it's the Itoman seafood and veggie broth ramen
0: oh my god yes seafood ramen that sounds really good mm-hmm. and what's really great is like i'm a chocolate lover i love chocolates and vanillas and like nutty flavors carl is the complete opposite of me he loves fruit flavors things that have like really bright flavors and are really sugary and there's a perfect combination of both i'd say in this box
1: Yes, and I am already eyeing this Gaborichu soft candy strip, so I'm going to go ahead and just grab it out of the box right now.
0: I know, I've been eyeing the Kit Kats. So the Kit Kats that came in this box are banana caramel flavored. I'm really excited about this because I've only seen, I've had caramel flavor um, a number of times. I've had banana once, but I've
1: never seen banana caramel yeah, even going to Japan, like I know that certain shops will have the standard Japanese Kit Kats. I don't think I've ever seen this flavor combination.
0: Well, let's dive into it. Okay, so it's going to be like a little bit of ASMR. You might hear the <laughs> crinkle of the packaging and then us crunching on stuff.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Maybe we'll
0: start an ASMR segment on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, as
1: soon as I opened this uh, soft candy... I immediately got the smell of the, I think it's musket grape. Ooh. Yeah, it just emanated as soon as I opened this package.
0: I know I'm getting the same thing with this banana caramel. Okay, here we go. I'm going to take a bite.
1: Here's my song. <laughs> 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 oh man, this brings me back.
0: This is so good. The banana caramel flavor is like really, really strong in a good way because I've had other Kit where... They, they say it's a certain flavor you bite into it and you're like i'm getting hints of it it's kind of like you know it, it, it leaves you wanting more this is really good though oh my god this is perfect all right i want to dive into one more because this looks really good this is the mount fuji sandwich cookie right
1: yes uh so it's a buttery crunchy cookie that has a creamy white chocolate center and is it in the shape of Mount Fuji. Oh, it
0: they- is. I'm already eating it. <laughs> Are they
1: like little
0: sandwich cookies? No, it's a single sandwich cookie that's in the shape of Mount Fuji. It's so cute. Uh, oh my god, it's so good. Here, you want to try some of it?
1: Yeah, I'll try one.
0: That's really good. Oh my god. <laughs>
1: <I'm> sorry, <laughs> the if <I'm> ASMR making <laughs> too much noise right now. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it was nice to get that kind of sweet and savory flavor difference
0: yeah and the nice thing about a lot of japanese snacks is while they have a really strong nice flavor to them they're never too much there's they're never overly sweet Mm -hmm. or overly heavy which is probably dangerous because then i can eat even more of them but yeah this is this is fantastic
1: yeah i'm seeing here in the booklet that there's also a mount fuji green tea cake i think we'll probably share that uh off recording as like a uh After dinner, snack or something. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Although I do see that they've included a drink here, a Deca Vita Vitamin C drink. I think that'll be perfect to wash down all of these succulent flavors from the different (laughs) snacks.
0: Succulent flavors.
1: (laughs) And we hope that you guys also get to enjoy these succulent flavored snacks (laughs) instead of just having to listen to our probably ear-shattering. ASMR, or even with the holidays just around the corner, I think this would make a great gift for the food lover or full-on weeb in your life. So if you're interested, use code StrictlyAnime for $5 off your first Tokyo Treat box through the link in our description, which is team.tokyotreat.com strictlyanime. And yes, they do ship worldwide.
0: Thank you so much to Tokyo Treat for sponsoring this box and sending us all of these Japanese goodies to try that we can't get here in the U.S. Okay, really quick, before we actually jump into talking about High School of the Dead, I thought it'd be fun, in the spirit of Halloween, to talk about what we're planning to do for our Halloween costume.
1: What are we planning to do for our Halloween costume? (laughs) We are
0: (laughs) reviving some old-ass cosplays of ours. We're pulling them out from the back of the closet and we are going as Ash and Misty one more time. Because we did that, I think, originally as a Halloween costume many years ago.
1: Yes. And then I think we reused it for C2E2, like the year afterwards.
0: Oh, then this is uh, our <laughs> third time using these cosplays. But hey, that's, that's how we get uh, our money's worth, I guess. But this time around... We're going to have Pikachu with us, not your Pikachu plushie, Mm -mm. but we're dressing up our baby as Pikachu, and we're really excited. It took a while to find a Pikachu baby onesie, because most of them are made for toddlers, but you luckily found one, which worked really well.
1: Yeah, and hopefully the material holds up, uh, because... I think the forecast is calling for a cold Halloween this year.
0: Oh, my God. What else is new in Chicago? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but if, if that's the case, I think the onesie is loose enough to like layer something under him uh, to you know keep him warm because I don't think he's really experienced the Chicago. I'll take that back because when he was born, the, the weather was still kind of cold. But then this is like close to winter cold.
0: It was cold for like a week, and he hates being... He He hates cold things in mm-hmm. general. So I don't know how he's going to fare in his first Chicago winter, but we'll get there when we get there. So yeah, I'm excited about um, adding a another member to our Pokemon cosplay group for Halloween. But now let's finally get into High School of the Dead. That's right. We are talking about etchy. We're talking about titties. We're talking about panty shots. And most importantly, we're talking about zombies.
1: Yeah, because all of those things go really well together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in this anime, they kind of do. They took a a very unique set of uh, characteristics here for a show and somehow made it work. Honestly, when we decided to do this for our Halloween episode, I was super excited because I don't think I've watched this since it first premiered. Because I I think I, let me look at the year that it premiered here. Okay, yeah, it premiered in 2010. So I have not seen it since then. Um, I vaguely remember, I remember like the the key story and everything, but a lot of the finer details are lost over the years. So I loved it when it was airing. And I kind of feel like this was reliving that initial experience of watching it in 2010.
1: Wait, so then is this your third time watching it? Because I think we both watched this nearly 10 years ago when we were in college. And that was my first time watching this.
0: Oh, no, I think my first time was with you. So then maybe it wasn't when it was premiering. But I could have sworn it. Wait, no, see, now I don't know.
1: Yeah, because I don't think we were watching this simultaneously with the air. I think we like bulk watch this
0: it wasn't a situation where like i had seen it and i wanted you to watch it because i really enjoyed it
1: i mean that could have been the case because this was around the time that i had started getting back into anime Uh, so i'm pretty sure we had watched attack on titan and then maybe this (laughs) this could have been the second or third anime that we watched together shit now i don't know i
0: don't know maybe i'm gaslighting myself (laughs) either way it's been a really long time since i recall seeing it and a lot of it I've forgotten. So I don't know if you felt similarly that rewatching this was kind of like partially reliving that first, re- first watch experience.
1: A little bit. I think I was just looking forward to hearing the OP again. Because...
0: Oh my God, <laughs> fucking banger.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was probably one of the first anime openings that I put on my iPod <laughs> like way back in the day when iPods were still a thing. Uh, but yeah, it was nice to, to come back to watching this. Uh, and I remember now, I wanted to cosplay from the series um, after watching it. Although I don't know how that would have worked. Like if we did a group cosplay with our friends, and you know, like there are obviously etchy elements to the show, um, how that would kind of work. Or if, you know, it would just be like a PG version of the cosplay. Um, but yeah, I remember watching this and... I'm pretty sure The Walking Dead was also coming out around the time that we were watching this, so it felt like the, the zombie horror genre was a bit trending um, and almost like it was oversaturated. So watching this, it didn't feel like there was going to be anything special about it, but then it just became more of an engrossing series when it puts that zombie genre in through the lens of a high school anime, and it, that kind of kept it fresh. And then, of course, all the etchy the shit that they added in between too.
0: Yeah, I've heard this anime described as like the the etchy anime that birthed many many degenerates. Because mm. I'm sure etchy's been around before High School of the Dead, but there was something about High School of the Dead that I think really shed light on what the etchy genre could be like and that it does, doesn't always have to be etchy edgy for etchy's sake like it's not it's not like it, an etchy anime has to be about the etchy, has to be about sexual tension it has to be about you know a story where two people are trying to fuck each other right like this this shows that you can infuse etchy elements into a topic or um you know a plot that doesn't necessarily have Plot when you think about it, right? Like you don't think about boobs necessarily when you think about zombies, but they do <laughs> it this so well. And this is coming from someone who doesn't necessarily like gravitate towards edgy. I don't mind it; I'll watch it if the story is interesting. Um, but heroes, I I, I, I still love the balance that they strike. Where like you, n- nothing sexual is happening on screen, but you have the edgy moments that are there. But they don't necessarily distract you either from what's happening in a particular scene.
1: Yeah, I, I I kind of agree, but there, there were some points where there was etchy stuff that felt a little bit unnecessary or a little bit over the top.
0: Yeah, like the bathtub scene. Like I mean, I've, yeah, there yeah. were still etchy for etchy's sake scenes. I, I will acknowledge that. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, because then it would kind of be like if Rick Grimes was whipping his dick out in The Walking Dead like every ten minutes. <laughs> 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 but no, like I think a lot of that is just overshadowed by how interesting the story is of this group of high schoolers as they fight through a, a zombie apocalypse and maybe part of it too is that the anime was helmed by madhouse which is of course a, a powerhouse in anime so i think that also contributed to its success
0: i think another thing that maybe captured the attention of so many western like weebs it and i'll start by saying i've heard i don't know if this is necessarily true but i've heard that high school of the dead didn't do as well in japan as it did overseas and what i heard was because the zombie genre at least at the time just wasn't interesting enough to japanese viewers or wasn't popular enough of a um a sub genre of horror so that that could be true i'm I'm not entirely sure but one thing that I think makes this such a memorable anime for Western um, weebs is how well this anime captures the the essence of a great Western zombie story. It's mm-hmm. there are moments where I'm almost like this doesn't feel anime. It feels, The Walking Dead it feels I'm I'm blanking on any other (laughs) zombie title for some reason but you know what I mean like any zombie like post-apocalyptic like um, civilization kind of crumbling type of western story it does a really good job of feeling like something you'd see you know made in in the U.S. for example
1: I mean I think it just takes the tropes that we've seen in those other forms of zombie media and like I said before, it kind of just slaps um, an anime aesthetic to it. And it's and it still works. I would say it still balances between what we expect from a zombie movie or a zombie TV show. But there are still elements of this that keep it, I was going to say strictly, <laughs> <anime>. <laughs> um, and I think I kind of enjoy that because it gives it that sort of fresh perspective on on a phenomenon that many people like to imagine, like what what would happen if the world did fall under the threat of a zombie apocalypse? And how would this look in Japan?
0: One of the downsides though, and this is like a very minor downside, but one of the downsides of only having 12 episodes total and no... You know, second season is that we get a decent amount of character development and backstory for some of the main cast, but not everybody. So, like, we barely know anything about Alice, Zeke. I mean, I don't know how much backstory you're going to give the dog, um the nurse. I can never remember her name, so I'm just going to call her the nurse. Shizuka. Uh, I'll try my best. <laughs> the nurse, and then um Takashi, the the main character. I feel like we barely know anything about him other than he was rejected by Ray and still has feelings for her, and. Um, was Hisashi? That was, that was the boyfriend that died in the beginning. Yes, that was his like best friend. I feel like that's all we know about this guy, and that's odd that we know more about other characters than we do about the main character. But again, I think it's just it's because we only have twelve episodes, and many of them are trying to establish the world that these characters are are in and, and the this, the disasters that they're experiencing because you can't just throw horror in there in the beginning and then deviate from there. Like, ho- ho- I can't say horror. Scary stuff needs to be built up over a long period of time. You need to build that dread. You need to watch the downfall of the city, right? Like you need to mm-hmm. experience the threat becoming larger and larger and larger. So I understand why they dedicated so many episodes to to portraying that. And I love it. I think that it was a smart choice. But then you're sacrificing us getting to connect a little bit better with the characters because there's simply not enough time left to tell their stories.
1: I mean, it's interesting with this anime, it doesn't have a second core. It's just the first or like the typical 12 episodes you'd see in a first core. um, I think it would have benefited from a second half, although I don't know if it was pretty much caught up to where the manga was at this point.
0: Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that and acknowledge um, what happened with this, this manga, I guess, um, and what happened with the creator.
1: Yeah, so I'm reading here that the anime's adaptation ends at chapter 17 of the manga, but there are a total of 29 chapters and then one unreleased chapter. So this story remains unfinished, but there's a reason for that. Because in 2011, the writer of the manga, Daisuke Sato, was diagnosed with ischemic heart disease, or also known as coronary artery disease, which is where plaque, you get plaque buildup in the arteries that supply the blood to the heart. And he unfortunately passed away in 2017 from this disease. And I think after his death, the illustrator for the manga, Shoji Sato, I don't know if they're related at all, but Shoji Sato decided to end the series so that he could focus on his series, uh, Triage X.
0: I've never even heard of that, Triage X.
1: Never heard of it either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's sad to hear about the author because I think, again, I don't know how the rest of the manga goes, but like the direction that the first 12 episodes were going was pretty interesting. I wanted to see more of this because unlike The Walking Dead, I feel like we're going to compare this to The Walking Dead.
1: I mean, that's the only other thing that we can really compare it to that we've watched
0: yeah um unlike the walking dead which you're you're kind of thrown into this bubble of a world around rick and like his crew or whatever and like the immediate surrounding areas high school of the dead started tapping into like global conflict as it related to the zombie apocalypse i loved that i was like holy shit this is like extra things that that the author is giving you, the creator is giving you, on top of the already really interesting core story of like how are these high schoolers who just happen to have the right skill set combined, um, how are they going to survive, find their families? And also what's next for them? Like what, what were they going to do after finding their families? We'll never know unless it touches on it in the manga, but as anime only people, we'll probably never know. <laughs> um, but it's just kind of, it's a shame to know that we're, we'll never know where the creator wanted this to go.
1: Yeah, I was actually trying to find summaries and synopses of what happens in the manga, and I know a little bit of it, but I'll just say it without really spoiling anything. the The things that are the questions that are brought up in the anime adaptation don't really, or majority of them, are left unresolved. Unfortunately.
0: Oh, that's. So sad. <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll we'll never get to see what Daisuke Sato's vision for the entire series is going to be. But you bring up an interesting point about how this show, like it, it does focus on a group of survivors, but then it includes like the the sort of global perspective of this apocalypse, which yeah, we don't really see in The Walking Dead. And I'm trying to think of the other zombie media i've watched. Zombieland was another one. Um and Shaun of the Dead, which are both comedies, so they don't really touch upon those subjects. Um Train to Busan. Remember that one? Oh yeah. But I think that was also just a singular story. So nothing about like the yeah, you know, the larger ramifications of this
0: i also think and this is purely speculation um because we'll never really know but another cool direction the story could have gone is like what happens if the humans have the means to start uh to kind of like rebuild and repopulate the world the reason i say that is because in other zombie media it almost seems like humanity is wiped out so fast and they're like survivors are are a rarity in a lot of other zombie media but here in the uh almost said the walking dead here in high school of the dead there's a decent amount of survivors still around whether well, because- they're hiding in their homes or they're in that fucking bus or they're just like trapped on the bridge trying to g- get across the river i feel like they constantly run into survivors and yeah they die most of the time but I feel like survivors are not scarce in the world of High School of the Dead.
1: Well, it's because it's in Tokyo, which is like the most densely populated city in the world. Right?
0: Yeah, but there are other stuff where like you're you're in a city and just feels like the zombies have just wiped everybody out and there's no survivors. And if you find yeah, one, true. you just happen to run into them. And then you decide to work together to get out of some like life or death situation with the zombies. So I felt that was a bit different with High School of the Dead and I... I I was like, that, that'd that be a cool potential route to kind of take this story. But either way, while we won't know how the story was intended to end, we can at least pay tribute to what the creator gave us in these 12 episodes that took the anime world by storm.
1: And if you're interested in reading more about the story of what happened to the creator and to the unfortunate, indefinite hiatus for High School of the Dead... I do have a CBR.com article here that we can share in our Discord. So if you're not a member of our Discord, the link to that is in the description. Before we move on to talking about the OP and ED as we usually do, I wanted to point out some of the notable VAs of this cast, which obviously at the time that we originally watched this, we didn't realize that it was so stacked. Um, So to kind of go over... This is the main group of survivors that we follow in the series, starting with Takashi. He is voiced by Junichi Suave, who I know as Space Dandy, but as both of us know as Aizawa from why am I blanking? My Hero Academia. <laughs> and Abakio from JoJo Part Five. Then we got Can we can
0: I chime in really quick mm-hmm. on that casting? So while I really like that voice actor and I think he does phenomenal work. This might be one of the very, very rare occasions where I actually don't think the voice actor fits the character. He yeah. has such a mature voice; it's almost like who's your guy? Your 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 guy? Kenjiro Suda. Yeah, it's almost like Kenjiro. If if Kenjiro Suda were to voice a high schooler, obviously that's a that's a way more extreme example. <laughs> mm. But that's the vibe I got. I was like, man, maybe my my mind has just pinned him to adult. Um, characters where I just can't break away from that or, or I don't know what it is but there was just to me this is one of those very rare moments where I'm like I don't think the voice fits the character and so it kind of threw me off at certain times um, but at the end of the day he still did a phenomenal job as Takashi
1: I don't know why we picked, why we didn't pick that up the first time we watched it unless we
0: I was probably too uh, enthralled by the tits honestly
1: <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe I was too <laughs> Um then we can have Psycho who is voiced by Miyuki Sawashiro who we both know as the voice for Kurapika from Hunter Hunter which I recognized even before looking up the, the VA list and then we have ray who is voiced by Marina Inoue who is the voice of Armin from Attack on Titan which is a drastic shift in her her tone of voice uh, Momo from My Hero and Mai Zenin from Jujutsu Kaisen. Kota is voiced by Nobuyuki Hiyama, who has been in some minor roles recently, but those include the Kasugai Crows from Demon Slayer and then Eso of the Death Painting Brothers in Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, Takagi is- Wait,
0: wait, wait, but you have to acknowledge- Oh my God, I'm looking it up really quick here because I don't remember the character's name. He was in Gurren Lagann, wasn't he? He was? Wasn't he? Oh, my God. Maybe I'm getting him mixed up with somebody else. Oh, my God. There's so much grin
1: Yeah. Oh, old... He was Viral. <laughs> I was going to say, who's old Coco? Yeah, I don't, know um, what
0: I don't remember that character. Okay. Oh, the old dude. Okay, yeah. No, but yeah, he's Viral. Viral? I don't know how you say it. I can't remember.
1: I think it's Viral.
0: The the initial antagonist of Gern Ligon.
1: Oh, uh, okay. I don't know why I didn't catch that. So, yeah. He was also... Oh featured in a notable role outside of this one. And then we have Takagi, who's voiced by Eri Kitamura, who is the voice of Miti from (laughs) The Abyss, as well as Ashido from My Hero. And last but not least, uh, Shizuka, the school nurse, is voiced by Yukari Fukui. Another voice from Lagan. she voiced Nia.
0: Oh, that's a throwback. All the Girl in the (laughs) Gone cast members.
1: And then we have another notable VA that shows up in the first episode, but I'm sure we'll save that for that discussion. So for now, we will move on to the OP and ED for High School of the Dead. And starting with the OP, the song is High School of the Dead by Kishida Kyodan and the Akeboshi Rockets.
0: Absolute vibe. Absolute banger, absolute classic. We have this on your Spotify playlist, and mm-hmm. it's it's great to hear it whenever it pops up. But the second the op started, I was like, "Oh my god, here we go!" All the nostalgia came back, and I was like, "This this perfectly matches the vibe of High School of the Dead. It, it is a great fit."
1: Yeah, I just love that opening frantic guitar riff, uh, and every time I listen to it on our playlist. It, Brings me back to watching this show, and the the early 2010s, the whole vibe of of those years. Uh, so yeah, I think this song matches the tone of the show, where it's very angsty, very anxiety inducing, kind of in line with the emotions that these students are going through, not just as teenagers, but also as survivors of a zombie apocalypse. Also interesting that in this OP, visually, there are moments where the blood splatter from the zombies looks like paint splatter. Um, I think that's something that we've seen in ZOM 100 recently. And what was that? There was another show. Yeah, which is unrelated to zombies, but um, just this idea of making blood look more colorful. And then lyrics-wise for this song, you have this sense of feeling lost in the chaos of a zombie apocalypse or I guess to put it in more real world terms to be shaken up by a sudden life event or a major situation and learning how to cope with it and move on from it which again is a feeling that I think probably resonates through young adolescents such as the high school heroes of this series with lyrics actually I have the entire tv size lyrics uh, pulled up here. Having lost my shaken sense of reality, my emotions are piling up like rubble. Where will they go? Holding on to my crushed dreams, I ran, cutting mindlessly through the crimson rain. At the end of my collapsed feelings, what will I see? What will there be? I do not yet know. Without a sound, all our fleeting futures simply unfold before us. And then we have the ED, which is a very interesting case because the... Closing theme songs differ in each episode, but they are all sung by Maon Kurosaki, Uh, so I guess Chainsaw Man wasn't the only one to do it, although I'm sure there are other anime, too, that use this idea of different EDs for each episode.
0: Didn't 86 have some variation in songs, or am I thinking of something totally...
1: I think it had maybe two or three different Okay, but not
0: as many as this one. yeah. I I don't really have much to comment on with the songs. I did like the visuals and how they changed over the course of the twelve episodes because you get a glimpse of what this group is like, I guess when they're all together. But then as it pans out during certain EDs, you see pictures of the various characters in various like normal life settings. Like what did what were they up to before the world went to shit? And I kinda like having that little glimpse.
1: And there are other things scattered on the wall, like emergency notices, missing persons, um, other similar flyers, to really cement these characters in the post-apocalyptic world. Uh, I don't have a list of the songs that were featured as EDs. All I can really say is that they feel more dynamic and kind of matching the tone or emotion of a specific episode's ending, whether it's intense or melancholy or even a club beat. I think one of the episodes had that. Um, Lyrics-wise, I think they all sort of pertain to being with someone and wanting to protect the person that you love or care for, which again are prominent themes in this type of media. Um, but yeah, I think just the fact that the songs kind of match the tone of an episode works well because I'm reminded of, like, for example... Jujutsu Kaisen, the first ED where you can have a really intense climax to an episode and then it goes into Lost in Paradise. <laughs> Just a drastic change in vibe. Um, so I, I like the consistency with these songs. All right, Strictly fam, time to put on your undead undies as we dive into our synopsis and discussion for High School of the Dead the 2010 anime adaptation of a manga series written by Daisuke Sato and illustrated by Shoji Sato. Produced by Madhouse and directed by Tetsuro Araki, the series focuses on a group of high school students and their school nurse, Chaperone, who fight through and try to make sense of an undead pandemic that has descended upon Japan. And quick fun fact here, since Attack on Titan's final season is about to come to a close, Tetsuro Araki, the director for the High School of the Dead anime series, previously worked on Death Note and went on to work on the first three seasons of Attack on Titan. So quite a switch from ecchi to, <laughs> I guess, another apocalyptic show.
0: He's good with, like, intensity. Like, tense. I, w- I don't want to say, like, scary moments, but tense, suspenseful, I don't yeah. know, like like, epic moments.
1: In episode one, spring of the dead, it's back to school. Or rather, back to ghoul for Beat Takashi as he bears witness to a viral undead outbreak at his beloved secondary educational institution. Takashi ends up fortifying on the school rooftop with ex-childhood lover-ish Ray-Ban and her boy toy Hisashi, whose undead bite in the arm earns him a swift bat to the head from his high school best friend. Ray-Ban becomes emotionally distraught but decides to settle for Takashi in this hairy situation as they live out the night of the living them.
0: This is a really good first episode, especially reliving it, um, watching it this, this time around. I'm like so impressed the way they open up the show. No, one, no wonder so many of us were hooked right away. It's like super intense, very over the top, but never crosses that line where it becomes like cringe or uh, pulls you out of the immersion. I'm also thinking about, maybe this one does a little bit, but the moment when Takashi immediately slaps Ray in the face, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, This I is the kind of intensity that. we're going with.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then it just jumps straight in into the zombie apocalypse or as it's starting to unfold.
0: Yeah, I love the way that they portray the school just kind of like devolving into chaos as this outbreak is happening and hitting their front gate. It's great. And everything about this first episode, while it's introducing us to some of the main characters, it's also showing us how people react in times of crisis. Like some of them were keeping their heads cool and finding a way- their way to safety. Others are betraying the ones they care about, like those two yeah, best friends. Oh others are panicking, others give up on life. I was like, man, this is just chaotic in a great way.
1: And in a high school setting of all places. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the fun thing about this first episode, and I guess this whole series, is that they never use the word zombie like at all. They only refer to them as, as them. Which is also something that happens in The Walking Dead, because they call them walkers, or there are a lot of different um, names they use for the zombies in that show. Um, I don't know why these, these these media have such an aversion to using the word zombie.
0: Maybe because it comes with like this preconceived notion of like what a zombie is, versus like establishing their own universe and like their own threat. Although it Mm. ends up being the exact same shit every time. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: just these walking corpses that like to feed on people's flesh. Um, I don't know if (laughs) like, is is zombie patented? Also, I mean, zombie,
0: the word zombie just sort of has like not a comical feel to it, but it's not as like
1: scary. Yeah, Yeah.
0: versus like them, like them just seems so ominous.
1: Provocative, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I, I mentioned earlier that there was a very special VA that, I guess, guest features in this episode, and that's the VA for Hisashi, um, the unfortunate boyfriend, um, in, or raise unfortunate boyfriend in this episode. Cause he is voiced by Mamoru Miyano.
0: You could just like, immediately hear his voice. Like, the second Mamoru Miyano's voice comes on in any anime, you're like, that's him. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very distinct.
1: Another thing that's distinct is cgi zombies which that's okay
0: yeah i mean they're few and far between so it's all right i have to establish up front though i am all about the romance between Rey and takashi i do think that there's some toxicity between them and i do think Rey moved on from hisashi a little quickly because she was like devastated in episode one and then after that it's like hisashi who (laughs) right she was all about takashi like she was going all in even after she was like well you rejected me at first so that's why i dated hisashi and he's great i love him i don't want him to die please don't kill him and then the second his head is crushed by a bat she's like what's up takashi you single still like i was like okay (laughs) hang on the 180 is a little abrupt
1: (laughs) yeah she moved on from his death very fleetingly
0: but i still i still ship them and this will come up more when we get to the latter episodes
1: no yeah, i don't think so well, who who are
0: you shipping
1: takashi and psycho oh ha- okay and okay now we're going to have problems no there there's an now episode that, that confirms this but
0: confirms nothing yeah, I, well, no we'll, not we'll in get the anime to, we'll nope.
1: get to there
0: uh uh-uh, uh uh-uh. <laughs> this is the i this is the most divisive thing that i remember about high school of the dead and the fandom well yeah we'll, we'll talk more about it but ooh, here we go
1: <laughs> <laughs> well before we get into all of that uh one more thing about hisashi it's funny how he's so like it's conveniently slow for him to turn into a zombie compared to everyone else especially at the beginning uh, when the teachers are fending off the zombie at the gates i think one of the teachers gets bitten dies and then immediately gets reanimated. Um, you know, maybe it's just, you know, uh, in service of the plot so that, you know, Hisashi can die a, a tragic death and then for Rey to mourn him for, like, five seconds. <laughs> but I feel like that's, that's also a, a trope that you see in, in other zombie media where one of the main characters just happens to live a bit longer before they, they turn.
0: Okay, really quick. This The entire time that we've been talking about High School of the Dead, I, I've i had these zombie references floating around in my brain, and I'm like, where the fuck are these from? I've been trying to find what I remember them from so I could reference it directly. The Walking Dead Telltale games. I fucking love those games. Oh, uh, yeah, those are pretty was, good. Yeah, I was thinking about like the way some of the characters die or the way the zombies are portrayed, uh, and I'm like, I, I don't want to talk about it because I can't remember where it's from, and then it just like got sucked into my brain so now i remember so now i've i've watched more than just the walking dead tv show
1: (laughs) (laughs) well did any of those feature a random panty shot as the crowd panics from the zombies not that i recall (laughs) (laughs) i remember seeing that in here and immediately oh so this is the kind of show that we're like that this is the, the ride that we're in for with this show in episode two escape from the dead While Ray-Ban tries to call her police dad for help because his job obviously wouldn't be tied up in this mess, we follow two pairs of high school survivors battling their way through the beleaguered halls, Takagi Froggy and Kota Arms, and Psycho Psycho and Shizuka Bazookas. All four link up with Ray-Ban and beat Takashi to find refuge in a classroom, but not even a quick biology lesson could prepare them for this perplexing peculiarity of a pandemic. Really quick, I was going to mention this in the first episode. I like how the episode titles are built into the environment rather rather than just being a title card. Uh, I think in the first episode it was like a, a road sign or I think maybe in this episode it shows up as Blood Splatter. I think it's a clever way to build the title into the episode.
0: It's also worth noting just the cinematics of High School of the Dead. Especially in those early episodes, there are some wild scenes where like they're whipping the camera around and like panning across landscapes and it just makes these action scenes and these fight scenes that much more enjoyable to watch. It just makes them really, really cool. And I, I, I have to give props to
1: Madhouse. Yeah,
0: to Madhouse and, and the, the directors and, and anyone who was involved with how that all came to be. It, it looks great.
1: Yeah, I think that sort of legitimizes the show rather than you know us looking at it as an etchy, like this was done. <laughs> this was still a show done in good taste and with enough effort. Um, so you can, like I said, a lot of that gets overshadowed by the the quality of animation.
0: So in this episode, we get introduced to Hirano Cycle and the nurse who's basically a walking etchy meme and even pulls a, a very meta moment later <laughs> in the in the anime um but i love the part where i think at the end of the episode where she's running towards saya i think and her tit hits hirano in the face and just like knocks him back
1: oh yeah <laughs> that
0: was great i i think my favorite character has to be hirano he's really good
1: Kota, right? Kota,
0: yeah. I don't know, like they start off calling each other by their last names and yeah, then they yeah. all switch, like Saya, I don't even remember her Takagi. Takagi. Yeah. Okay, so I'll I'll try to stick with first yeah, names. Like so. Teasing
1: Master Takagi. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I'll try to, I'll switch gears here. So Kota, I really enjoy his character. He's probably my favorite.
1: Yeah, I think he speaks to like the the Otaku or even like <laughs> the pro gamers in all of us. Um getting this rare opportunity to craft weapons and and to fight in this apocalypse and he seems to get it down pretty well see like gaming it can get you places especially like learning how to navigate uh, a zombie apocalypse <laughs> yeah, end of the world situation
0: by the end of this episode the groups now come together and sort of like some of them meet for the first time and as mentioned earlier, it's the perfect gathering of minds to create the perfect force against zombies. You've got the genius in today, the psycho psycho who loves killing that we find out later, Uh the nerd who's crafty but, as you mentioned, can create weapons, the healer nurse, uh the waifu who's still a good fighter and, and is capable but is mostly the love, love interest, and then the main character who's the leader.
1: That's like an RPG. Yeah. A zombie RPG. In episode 3, Democracy Under the Dead, Team Beat Takashi links up with another group of student survivors as he conducts a science project on whether or not the undead need vision insurance. However, a student on the other team fucks up the experiment by dialing the volume up to 11, resulting in a lower headcount of high school passengers boarding the NOPE bus to fuck this shitville. One of the passengers, Professor Peace of Shiro decides to become the de facto leader, causing Ray-Van to hop off the bus at Hell-Fucking-No Boulevard. Beat Takashi follows suit, but the pair become separated from their team, leaving the high school hero to motorboat, excuse me, motorbike, Ray to rendezvous with the team somewhere else in Fuck This Shit Phil.
0: So I don't know if the intention for that sus-as-fuck creepy teacher um, was to like, Make a a reappearance later in the story, but the way the twelve episodes that we have plays out, I almost feel like I don't know. Like I almost feel like you didn't need him and his whole like story in there because it has little consequence. You do get in the the beginning like Takashi mentioning that Ray got held back a year. We don't find mm-hmm. out why, right? We find out at the end of the show that it was because of the teacher, but then the teacher's main thing with this whole, like, the the purpose for the ma- the teacher is to show that, like, some people in a time of crisis can be easily swayed, easily brainwashed. But I, I also just feel like, again, like, you could have written him and that cult-like group out of the 12 episodes, and it probably wouldn't have changed much because he comes and goes, but never makes, like, a lasting impact.
1: Yeah, I'm wondering if Shido was meant to be a, a a nagging grudge for the group as they're traveling across Japan and, and trying to escape the apocalypse. Um
0: yeah, maybe he was meant to come back like in the last episode that uh, that he's in, he kind of gets steamrolled by Ray and and you know with with good reason. Mm-hmm. He's very embarrassed, he's pissed off. So I almost feel like at a certain point maybe he comes back as like some sort of antagonist with that grudge held against Ray, but mm-hmm for the purposes of this 12-episode run, I don't know, and it just kind of seems like his whole deal wasn't entirely necessary. It was interesting for sure, and it plays to another side of things. Like I said, that that time of desperation, who do you look to for guidance and leadership and who's there to actually help you versus manipulate you? But at the end of the day, I don't think there was any critical need for his part of the story.
1: Yeah, we just needed an asshole to, to hate in this series. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that no one called him out for kicking the student with a sprained ankle um, as they were all running towards the bus and then leaving him to die. But, you know, maybe the the female students are just so infatuated with him that they are willing to overlook that. Although he's not really that attractive looking <laughs> Oh, and then there's a zombie panty shot in here. Do you remember that? I think so. Like, seriously? (laughs) (laughs) Why
0: not, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like,
1: okay. Again, we know what uh, we know the ride that we're in for.
0: We do see a lot of Saya's capabilities. She's the one that discovers or discovers and then shares with the group that the zombies can't see or feel, but they can hear. So that's key for them to know. But as they're escaping the school, that one student gets eaten because he like clanked his the pole that he was holding against the staircase railing. And then all the zombies came at him. Um, But still talking about this idea of like, what do people do in a time of, of crisis? His girlfriend runs back to him, ends up getting killed, I believe. But, you know, runs back to him to try and save him. And Saya calls the whole situation stupid but then the nurse is like, well, I understand. I wouldn't want to live without my my loved one or my boyfriend or whatever. So it's all about perspective um, and how people handle themselves and the environment around them when they're in a mad panic. But eventually the, the group says that their plan is going to find their families from closest to farthest away and then help any survivors um, along the way. And But by the end of it, that's delayed because they get split up but that scene was really cool with the bus i love how that all played out because right before they get split up Ray's like i can't deal with this creepy ass teacher i'm getting off the bus takashi goes to to stop her but then a zombie filled truck i think is bearing down the road at them hits something and kind of like flips over toward them and then there's a spider-man moment that happens did you catch that
1: um, I don't remember. Maybe because it was just so stupid. <laughs> like the timing of everything was just so stupid.
0: Well, do you remember in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies? I don't remember which one it was. It might have been this. It might have been the second one. I could be wrong. But they're in that cafe, and then oh no, yeah, it's the second one with Doc, Doc Ock. Yes, and he throws that car at the cafe, but Spider-Man or Peter Parker notices it beforehand with his Spidey sense, and so mm-hmm. he jumps at mary jane and like grabs her and they're flying horizontally kind of like twisting at the same time to avoid the car that's literally what takashi does to Ray in that moment as the the truck is flipping towards them
1: maybe that was the inspiration for this scene
0: you know what i like to think so
1: (laughs) in episode four running in the dead we're only four episodes in but already beat takashi feels the need to give us a recap on what's happened thus far in this apocalyptic adventure After scavenging a squad car for lootable resources, he and Ray-Ban make a pit stop at a gas station where a deranged sex offender hopes to literally get some pump action from the mountainous maiden. Takashi responds with some pump action himself by shooting the offender in the shoulder. Quite a metaphor, given he must shoulder the burden of his lustful sin by allowing the walking dead to enjoy the pleasures of his flesh.
0: I was so annoyed. This was like a partial recap episode. I'm like, seriously, we've only had three episodes prior to this. We don't need a recap. I don't know what happened here. I don't know if like the studio just didn't have time to have a fully fleshed out episode or if there was like a gap in the way these episodes premiered. But I was like, why? I don't, you know how I feel about
1: recaps. I'm trying to look up the air date for this episode. There wasn't a, Yeah there wasn't a a gap in release I think it came out the week after but maybe they just needed something to fill up this episode in order for everything else to pace correctly.
0: Luckily at least half of the episode is original content um, and we see Takashi and Ray getting closer to one another um, like you know romantically closer with one another but when it comes when push comes to shove i feel like ray is actually capable she's not just the waifu love interest character and like that's it like she she knows how to fight and in this moment she is gathering bullets for the gun she's not bothered by the blood she's taking what she's learned from her police officer father and putting it to good use so that's why i like ray at the end of the day it's because she has something to offer the group she actually pulls her weight
1: but then as much as we said she gets over Hisashi immediately <laughs> in the first episode, she goes to comparing Takashi to Hisashi during this gas station scene. And
0: that pisses him off. He's angry <laughs> about that until some crazy guy tries to kidnap Ray and holds her hostage. And then starts grabbing her tit. And honestly, that looked like it hurt.
1: Yeah, it was aggressive.
0: Like he was squeezing the shit out of it like it was a water balloon he was trying to pop. I was watching that and I'm like, Ugh. Like I don't know how guys feel watching that. Like if they're like, Oh, this this is you know, this is some good edgy shit. This is turning me on. But as a girl, I'm nope. like, that looks painful. I that mean,
1: looks brutal. I watched that and thought, that's that's not titillating. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, one of my guilty pleasures.
0: Is intense boob squeezing?
1: No. It (laughs) is sub-ins for brand names. Um, The gas station here is called Sean, S-H-A-U-N, which is a parody of Shell. And you wouldn't think much of it, but I'd like to think that it's a reference to the movie Shaun of the Dead. Oh. Which came out in 2004, so I think two years before the manga was first published. Uh, So I'd like to think that the author took inspiration from that film and decided to name this gas station after it as a homage. In episode 5, Streets of the Dead, as a sultry sniper clears an airport runway of undead to make way for a departing flight to fuck out of here town, Beat Takashi and Ray-Ban encounter police blockades across several bridges in fuck this shitville. Conveniently, the pair runs into Team Beat Takashi at one of them, as they had enough sense to ditch Professor Peace of Shido and his bang bus. Shizuka Bazooka brings up a fortified Airbnb recommendation in the area owned by her sniper friend. They just have to pay the undead cleaning fee.
0: So in this episode, they're kind of establishing more about the creepy teacher forming like, like a cult and brainwashing the students to admire him and follow him. Um, and they're also establishing the fucking harem that we're getting in this show because, of course, first Ray is uh, infatuated with Takashi, but now we're seeing that Saya has a possible long-standing crush on him.
1: On Takashi? Yeah. Oh, I. Thought... She's not
0: outright about it, but you can tell she gets jealous or like you know has feelings for him.
1: Um, maybe I didn't catch that. I just thought she was starting to be drawn closer to Kota.
0: I think that's also happening. I think it's like un- she. she's not aware that she's, I don't know if you would say got feelings for Kota, but that she's starting to really accept him and grow close to him. And I think that's the direction the creator was probably going to go, was um, bringing Saya and Kota together in some way. But in the earlier parts of these first 12 episodes, there's moments where Saya is like, a bit jealous about takashi's rea- uh relationships with some of the other girls so mm. i think she's got probably a crush because they they're the ones that were childhood friends right like they knew each other in junior high uh
1: or middle ta- school takagi included
0: no saya and yes yeah, saya and takashi oh. they're the ones that were childhood friends
1: oh i don't I don't i thought it was takashi and Ray.
0: no they also are but when we get to Saya's house, her parents are like, oh, yeah, oh, right, hi, Takashi. Right, right. How are you? We haven't seen you yeah. since you were a kid.
1: Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. So
0: I think, she's, uh, I think Saya has this small crush that she's probably had on Takashi for a while. But yeah, then we add Psycho to the mix in a few episodes. So yeah, it's becoming yeah. a bit of a harem. Psycho. A bit of a harem with a clear winner, although we mm-hmm. disagree on who that clear winner is. <laughs>
1: Well, besides these girls, we are introduced to a, another female character in this show, um, in this episode, the purple-haired sniper. I think her name is Rika. I don't know if they've actually ever referred to her by her name here. Maybe Suzuka did at some point. Um, I was interested in seeing how she was going to cross paths with this group because that seems like the direction it was heading as well Um and, of course, Suzuka knows her as a close friend, and they use her place. But that's another unresolved thread, which doesn't get covered in the anime, and I don't know if that gets covered in the manga.
0: As I'm talking about really cool cinematic moments, I have to call out the fight scene in Episode 5. It was so cool. So It was so awesome, the way it was choreographed, because you have... Takashi jumping off a ramp on that motorcycle with Ray, and then Ray flying up, like jumping off it and flying up, and then landing to fight zombies. And then Takashi tosses he don't know Hirano- Kota, the gun, and then his face is like hilarious when he grabs the gun. He's so into it. He fires a bullet um, that kind of like slow moes past Takashi's face and then into a zombie. And then Takashi grabs cycle's hand spins her around and then like flings her into zombies and she takes them out. And all of this is happening while the nurse's tits are smothering Saya (laughs) because the two of them can't fight. It was a really great scene. And that's every time one of these well choreographed scenes come up in High School of the Dead, I just have to appreciate it because it sucks me in. And it reminds me that this is a zombie show that is full of action not just panty shots,
1: but they're all fucking high school students. <laughs> yeah, I know. it's like a, a, a code geass situation here, where they just happen to uh, like be op. Although I know they kind of explain this with some of the clubs that the students are involved in. Um, Ray is involved in like the spear club and uh, psycho. I, know, I forget if it was like katana or some sort of like combat class uh but yeah just seeing them do these death defying stunts it makes you realize that you're watching an anime (laughs) uh, for those moments um although again i always appreciate when kota his experience with weapons gets put to work i'm gonna make a quick dark knight reference here though or more specifically dark knight rises reference because I feel like the motorbike going up the truck ramp is pulled from The Dark Knight Rises or The Dark Knight Rises pulled that from High School of the Dead since that movie came out in 2012.
0: So what you're saying is Christopher Nolan watched High School of the (laughs) Dead and then copied... The moment from episode five when Takashi drives Ray up the ramp on the motorcycle and was like, I have to put that in Dark Knight Rises. That is phenomenal. I, Christopher (laughs) Nolan, (laughs) who is watching an etchy anime about zombies, have to put this scene into my Batman
1: series. Yeah, why not? Maybe that's like a a hidden piece of film trivia that is unknown about The Dark Knight Rises and will never see the light of day. <laughs> I'd like to think that, yeah, Christopher Nolan was sitting down watching an etchy anime and decided, you know what? I like this scene. I'm going to put this in my movie.
0: That's almost as plausible as what I used, or the example I shared earlier, where apparently Sam Raimi watched High School of the Dead Oh, wait, which one came oh, no, first? It would,
1: no, because Spider Man 2 be- came out before the manga. Okay,
0: then the reverse, <laughs> where the creator watched Spider Man 2 and was like, that's so cool. Actually, that's probably more plausible <laughs> than the other, the Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan one. But either way, uh, we will save that as he- headcanon for the lore behind High School of the Dead.
1: In episode six, in the dead of the night you're in the middle of a calamitous and apocalyptic phenomenon with casualties exponentially increasing by the minute. So what better time to have a spa day than now? As the girls of Team Beat Takashi bear it all in a booby-bubbly bath, the boys gear up for World War Z at their fully stocked hideout, and all the while, the bridge situation in Fuck This Shitville turns into a Smash Brothers free-for-all, after some tinfoil hat wearers believe the government is behind the madness, though it is law enforcement who subsequently stirs up the madness. But once again, disasters aside, Beat Takashi must battle with drunk colleagues and lost love before a damn dog ruins their spa day.
0: So when we watched this, I'm pretty sure we watched this uncensored, or sorry, censored the first time around. Mm -hmm. But then we learned that there was an uncensored version, so we watched that. And I was like, whoa, there's nips. <laughs> there's yeah. a, there's nips in the bath scene. I was like, oh, I don't remember this. We definitely watched the censored version earlier.
1: Well, it's only Shizuka's nips that are shown, which makes sense because she is of age. There you go. <laughs> so everyone else's is cleverly covered up in some way or form by like bubbles or someone else's body part. But man, what a- juxtaposition of emotions in this episode
0: yeah this is very much like the etchy episode of the season um, you have the nurse in only a towel after the whole bath scene um, and she's like flirting with the boys and then you have psycho in an apron and then Ray and Takashi have that like flirtatious moment with like all the sexual tension for no reason like out of nowhere um, and then he admits that he's getting a boner and then it, like, dies off from there.
1: Well, then Shizuka also felt up on Takashi and Kota. Yeah, when she's was flirting like with the boys, yeah. <laughs> FBI entering the chat moment.
0: <laughs> and then all the while they're, like, splicing in, like, what's going on in the situation outside of this apartment where citizens and officials are turning against each other and resorting to drastic measures. So, yeah, it was kind of, like, emotional whiplash but i think what they're trying to say here is it's the first moment that the group has had since the start of this zombie apocalypse where they can kind of let their guard down they feel a bit safe and they can like breathe for a moment and let their titties breathe too by being exposed everywhere
1: yeah while chaos is ensuing and unfolding right outside their window which i thought was interesting maybe this goes back to the point you made about how humans are just so prevalent still in this apocalyptic in this apocalyptic setting that I'm surprised, like with these blockades, that you know there isn't some sort of frantic moment that happens in the crowds where someone perishes and then they start to infect everyone around them. Um, here, it's more of just the eventual breakdown of of society like order in society when the police turn on the citizens it was just i don't know it was like interesting to see a little bit of orderliness here before all the chaos starts you know what i mean
0: yeah and you've gotten that um idea that concept from the walking dead where it's like the the biggest threat isn't the zombies it's the other people in this Mm -hmm. world so I think that's kind of where this is going, um, where like citizens start distrusting the officials and, and the police and whatnot, and the police are scared of being overrun because they're human at the end of the day, and they're like, I don't know what the right decision is because everyone's dead, and um, we need to do what we need to do to prevent things from breaking out into chaos. Um, there's a lot of pressure on like both sides to just survive, and yeah. All of that's happening while everyone's like half naked in the apartment. What I do really like is what we learn about Kota in this this episode. It's not very much about like his backstory, but they give us a logical reason as to why a high school student is so good with guns. I'm like, thank you. Because you get that trope in anime where a high school student has never ever experienced a particular... Piece of equipment or a weapon or whatever, and then, like, within five seconds of them touching it for the first time, suddenly they're a fucking expert in it.
1: Wait, it's because he trained with like a, a Delta Force person?
0: Yeah, he trained with weapons in America for a month. How
1: plausible is that? <laughs> I
0: mean, it's more plausible than him just suddenly knowing how to use a sniper rifle. <laughs> At least he has some explanation as to why he's. I mean, an expert is is you know. I don't think you can be an expert after just a month of training, but at least it explains how he knows so much about how to use the guns. It makes sense that he knows so much about the guns as like a gun fanatic, because um, you can find that information on the internet, right? But to actually be able to use them in your hands, at least there's at least the creator tried. You tried to give us a reason for that.
1: Yeah, I just want to know how Kota got connected with a Delta Force captain to train in how to use these weapons. I think
0: he said it was like his dad or something.
1: Yeah, well, what is his dad? Like, what is his dad's occupation?
0: Wasn't he like a diplomat? Oh. Like, what was his da- Now I need to know. Hang on, let's look it up. Okay, so I found it. His father is a jewelry merchant in Amsterdam, who's in Amsterdam buying supplies. His mom is a fashion designer. His grandfather was a captain of a foreign cruise ship, and his grandmother was a violinist. So maybe Mm. not a direct connection. I could be wrong. Maybe it wasn't his father that hooked him up with the one month of gun training. Um, But again, the point is, at least the creator was like, I'm going to try to explain why this kid is so good at what he's doing.
1: Through very outlandish connections, but okay, I'll take it. In Episode 7, Dead Knight and the Dead Horde, name two things you wouldn't want to be responsible for in a zombie apocalypse. Survey says, a child or a dog. And Team Beat Takashi has to save both. Takashi and Kota Arms work on rescuing Alice in Blenderland and Zeke the Dog Wonder from becoming an undead supper while his team prepares to take their belongings and push them somewhere else by packing it up and driving in a Humvee down by the river. I know
0: there's a lot of plot in this anime, but for some reason the titty physics, the jiggle physics in episode 7 were above and beyond. Like the kind of shit you see in game mods. I was like, why are the the jiggle physics so intense?
1: Not only that, there was just so much fan service in this in this singular episode. And I don't know why. <laughs> like why just this episode specifically?
0: Maybe they needed to like transition from the very obviously etchy episode we had previously to something not etchy focused, but still needed to be pretty etchy heavy. Either way, I was like, okay, I'm I'm a little distracted by, by the jiggles um, that I'm seeing on screen, but still a decent episode overall. Uh, there's talk about how the group needs to protect themselves and they can't risk helping others. They don't want anyone to even know that they're in this apartment. But once they see what happens to Alice and her father, they all immediately agree to help her. And Ray is kind of excited by that because she says that they remember that they're human. That's what separates them from the monsters outside so that they're human and they're wanting to help other people versus kill them and eat them.
1: Yeah, it's a typical trope again that you see in zombie media. Although I will say that um Alice watching her dad get stabbed while trying to seek shelter for them was it was so fucking sad. Yeah, that was really
0: really sad. I kind of wish that Alice Okay, kind of like Ray with Hisashi, yeah. Alice does move on pretty fucking quickly. <laughs> yeah, <she does. laughs> and like she mentions her dad like later on, but it just feels like she's totally fine after like a day or two. But it was a really sad moment. And again, it plays to how different people react in a time that's filled with fear and when people are just looking to survive. Because here you have the desperation and fear of a family that's in their own home trying to protect themselves and they see Alice's father as a threat because he's demanding you know understandably so but he's demanding that they take in at least Alice if not both of them and pounding on their door I obviously I think they went uh they were too maybe a little bit too quick to kill him but the point is that you never know how someone's going to react you don't know who to trust they didn't know to trust this guy and unfortunately Alice saw her father get killed
1: But then you have Takashi's group who is the antithesis of that in in saving her and bringing her along with them for the ride.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but Takashi also paying respects to her father and trying to give her a a bit of closure.
1: Mm -hmm. A weird thing from Takashi, though, is that he has a metal line in this episode after he crashes his motorbike to go drive towards uh, where Alice is. He says guess it doesn't work like it does in anime
0: yeah there's a couple of those moments in the show (laughs) i'm like oh okay because then they i think saya also the the moment that we just talked about where like uh kota's talking about his family members i think in that same scene saya's like oh my god your life sounds like a manga
1: all right and then there's another moment that comes up later that also very meta and fourth wall breaking um and then that fence balancing act with takashi bringing alice over to the humvee i remember getting so much anxiety watching that the first time Uh <laughs> um, 'cause because like i can't imagine trying to balance on a fence like that or even on like a brick wall uh w- where there's like a sea of zombies on the other side and if i tip over then that's it But, again, Takashi is an OP anime protagonist, so he goes off without a hitch. Oh, and another thing (laughs) is when they all escape, and I think Psycho's just standing on top of the Humvee as it's driving. There's no way that's humanly possible. That was uh, anime as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, like, what do you call it? The... the, Air pressure? uh, Yeah, would have immediately whipped her off of the, the roof. Unless she has incredibly strong thighs. Or, like, magnets in her boots. <laughs> in episode 8, The Dead Way Home, we get a glimpse of the pandemic spreading across the globe as an infected President America wonders if he can afford a Nuka Cola to ward off the impending threat. But back at the edge of Fuck This Shitville, it looks like clear skies and sunny days are ahead for Team Beat Takashi until they cross an unfortunate underpass full of undead undesirables. The team uses our Fire firepower to beat back the brainless Bakas until Takashi and Psycho Psycho are separated from the group. Thankfully the fire force shows up to save the day, led by Takagi Froggy's mother, because apparently none of Team Beat Takashi had the smart idea to just fucking take out the undead from the safer side of the goddamn fence.
0: I have a love-hate relationship with this episode. The majority of this episode is annoying. To your point, why didn't they just hop over the wire? Like, why didn't they do that much earlier until they thought of it at the very end of the episode when Kota's trying to save Alice? Why didn't Takashi just pick Rey the fuck up and move her? I know she's injured, but you could still move her. You had to do Mm -hmm. that in the first place to get her to Saya's house. How did she not break her fucking back bouncing off the hood of the car? I know she's injured, <laughs> but it's like they're putting ointment on her in another episode or two to try and heal her. I'm like her back should have been cracked in half. Mm-hmm. And then how are there a literal horde of zombies in one shot and then a sparse amount in another? Do you remember that yes. sea of zombies as they were panning up to the car to kind of show, The immense threat that they were against. If there were that many zombies, no amount of firepower would be able to stop them because they would have been overwhelmed in two seconds. Mm -hmm. But then, in another shot after that, there was like a a very sparse amount, which would make more sense for the way that they were fighting them. Yeah, it was just like all really, really annoying.
1: Also, they put a scope on a shotgun. Yeah, of, of all the inconsistencies in this episode, he didn't that need was the, that. They're that was right the in most front of him. heinous yeah. of all. <laughs> oh, and also, the uh, the USA has a chairman. Oh yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe if it was the way that the dialogue was translated. Um, but of course, like we have the president of the United States, but they kept referring to his secondhand man as the, the chairman. Like, <laughs> I guess he could We don't, we don't say have that. a chairman. <laughs> we have a vice president, we have secretaries, but you know, it is what it is.
0: He's chairman of the United States. (laughs) (laughs) That
1: sounds so weird. But anyways, let's get to the fun part of this episode.
0: Yeah, the love part of my love-hate relationship with episode eight is what is probably the most iconic scene in the entire anime. And even if you have never seen High School of the Dead, if you have been around in the anime world for a little while, you've probably at least seen this scene whether it's the full clip whether it's uh, a gif of what actually took place and the scene i'm referring to is the iconic titty gun scene i don't know if there's a a more proper name for it but it's the scene where takashi fires the gun
1: it's a sniper rifle yeah off of
0: raised tits through psycho's legs and then through her tits. So let's let's through describe her snatch this. snatch and boobs. Yeah. Let's. Let, okay. So Ray's like on the ground, right? I want to like break this down really quick because we got to pay um, homage to whoever
1: created whoever this. storyboarded this gun. Yeah. I mean, scene.
0: honestly, it's iconic for a reason. It is a really smart way to blend etchy and action in, in in a way that's extremely unique. So Ray's on the ground. Takashi needs to use the sniper to fire at several zombies, but needs to brace. And I guess the ground is too low for him. He needs something higher. So he puts the gun over Ray's chest, um, like hovering right over her tits for, I guess, support and balance. Also so, absorbs the recoil. Yeah, because as he's firing each of the shots, you get these glimpses of Ray's boobs jiggling even to the point where you can see the ripples in her tits. Like, they go that far with the titty physics. And then, as we get to where the bullets are going, they're obviously flying towards zombies, but they need to pass through Psycho's legs as she's jumping. So you, the camera goes through her legs underneath and looks up at her striped panties. I think they're striped. And then, as the bullet passes around the front of her, she does this, like, Matrix-style backbend, and the second bullet, I think, right? Because he's firing multiple rounds. The sec- I thought it was
1: just following one round.
0: But the round goes through her leg. So how did she... No, he's firing multiple rounds. Because you see the titty physics? Unless it was a repeat of the same round over and over again.
1: Yeah, I thought it was just... It was following one bullet as it's passing through. Oh, maybe it's multiple. Okay, maybe it's multiple. Well, either that. way, the, there's a
0: the bullet, whatever bullet it is... In its final moments before it takes out a zombie, it passes. So Psycho does a, a Matrix-style back bend, And in slow motion, her tits start to fly upward. But they fly individually. So they're flopping, right? Like each tit's <laughs> flopping individually. And as the one tit is going back, that's when the bullet passes. Then as the other tit is going front to back and like flopping the opposite direction, that's when the bullet passes that second tit and then finally lands into, I believe, the face of a zombie. I did not do that justice. If you have not seen this this scene, which I'd be surprised if you're listening to this review, I assume you've seen the anime, but let's say you need a refresher. Go find it on YouTube. It's out there. It's worth re-watching.
1: I'm looking at a GIF of the bullet that passes through her boobs. Like, there's no way. Her boobs would have to be moving extremely the speed. fast yeah the speed of a bullet in order for this to to work otherwise it would just tear through her boobs <laughs> oh jesus anyways let's move on to episode nine the sword and dead this episode proves why beat takashi and psycho psycho is a ship that i would be willing to sail the two go on an impromptu date while separated from the rest of the team from enjoying a romantic sunset drive to getting wet by the sandbank to nearly murdering some infected children. Takashi later learns that psycho really do be a psycho bitch, but declares that it's a trait that makes him real fucking horny, which titillates her all the more. The pair arrive safely at Takagi Froggy's mansion, though honestly their sadistically stalwart selves shouldn't be weighed down by these puny pathetic plebs.
0: Okay, so I know episode nine is all about Psycho's backstory. She's a psycho, right? Haha, ha, her name is Psycho. She loves killing. Uh, she was attacked when she was younger and realized she loves killing, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about any of that. Let's talk about how this episode divided the High School of the Dead fans so hard. In this episode, they suggest,
1: not suggest.
0: They suggest. That there is romantic development between Psycho and Takashi. And when I first watched this, I was pissed. I'm like, I'm hardcore Team Ray. That's where I thought all this was going. But then as they're talking, there's that moment where, like, I think Takashi has his hand on top of Psycho's. And then you don't see their faces, but it's panned in at, like, where their necks are. So you see their chests and they kind of, like, lean towards each other. But we never get confirmation of what happens. They kiss. And then. They kiss. and then we just see the next morning when they're fighting off zombies, and they're acting all like fine or whatever. But then when they're about to go back to Saya's house, Psycho grabs uh, Takashi's hand, and she's like, "You'll take responsibility, right?" Or like a, like hints that something may have happened, at least hints that she's developed feelings for him. I think that that we can definitely agree on. Um, but like, what else she's hinting at? I don't know. It's not confirmed.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I
0: refuse to believe anything was confirmed. If we didn't see it happen, it may not have happened. You know, that typical anime logic, at least when characters die or maybe pretend to die. It is
1: strongly implied. I
0: don't know. But yeah, I mean, here we are, even among the two of us, we are divided. We have me on Team Ray and Carl on Team Psycho. And that's how the fandom unfolded. There was a lot of chatter online about this episode, let me tell you.
1: Maybe I just like Psycho because she's a more sadistic version of Komi. <laughs> yeah, say, who actually talks. They share, they share the same hair color. Uh, I think the only thing that refutes Psycho actually being a ship for Takashi is I think his monologue says something that he did this in order to survive. Like so, he's kind of using psycho as a means to his end.
0: Yeah, like he intentionally unleashed her psychotic nature, like made her feel it's okay to be psychotic because that's going to guarantee their survival, or at least mm-hmm. help guarantee it.
1: But I don't know. I still think psycho is a better choice over Ray, okay. who you're who you're free. Puts Takashi constantly in Hisashi's shadow. You're
0: free to <laughs> feel and believe whatever you'd like. And I will be over here, uh, even though sometimes Takashi likes to slap Ray in the face and she <laughs> likes to drag him through the mud. Uh, I will be over here believing that they're a better ship.
1: <laughs> oh, and he he grabbed Psycho's boobs here. Oh, that's right. And I was such like, "Ow!" Fire and rigor
0: to like set her off to kill stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was that made me a little uncomfortable, but I, I guess she was she was titillated by that
0: hey he's ensuring their survival
1: <laughs> in episode 10 the dead's house rules takagi abbey is the perfect luxury getaway to escape those post-apocalyptic blues but team B takashi begins to realize that parental controls are preventing them from doing what they do best in kicking undead ass and also because takagi froggy has major daddy issues Kota's right to arm bears with his bare arms becomes the tipping point for the team to decide their fate. And when we see that Professor Peace of Shido has sent one of his spies to survey the group whilst conducting his ostentiously offensive orgy, maybe things really don't seem so bad.
0: I'll be honest, I feel like the show and the story kind of slowed down starting with episode 10. Once they reach Saya's house, I feel like they pump the brakes a little bit And what we get in the final three episodes just isn't as interesting or fun to watch as the previous episodes. It wasn't bad, and I think maybe it was a break that was needed in order to do some character developing, um, in order to force the group to to commit to a decision um, and whatnot. But all in all, I, I didn't have as much fun watching the last three episodes as I did watching everything before it.
1: I mean, it picks up when all hell breaks loose in episode 12. But I I think part of the point here with the kind of slower pacing of the, the mansion arc, I'll call it, is to show complacency, like what happens if you are fully secure in this dangerous world and are left to kind of just sit there and let others do the thinking although that's kind of forced upon the group because everyone in the mansion kind of just sees them as high schoolers who can't protect themselves
0: there's that quick moment where takashi gets like i don't know why he gets randomly aggressive with the girls it's it's a little bit of a red flag but he like grabs doesn't he grab saya by like her like her shirt Like lifts her up I'm like damn dude okay calm down um i just wanted to call that out but we get introduced to her parents uh formally introduced anyway she's pissed at them because they're doing great things they're saving people but they're not saving her because despite loving her they didn't think that she'd survive so it wasn't worth it to look for her and i don't blame her for feeling pissed about that but you know her dad is built like a fucking jojo character so he's got bigger (laughs) things that he's he needs to worry about i think what they're establishing here though is that they have two options. They can be taken care of or they can take care of themselves. And they're clashing with the adults um, because the adults are treating them as kids, which technically they are, but they feel like they've matured through the experiences that they've had the last several days or a few days or whatever it is. And they want to save people on their own, like save the everyone's families, versus just sit back and be saved. So this is, again, them being in a situation that forces them to choose which path they want to follow. There's also a bit of character development for Kota. And again, I love his character, so I really appreciate this. And he's being questioned by the adults as to why he has his guns. They're saying it's too dangerous for a kid to have. And he just refuses to give up those guns. And he explains that without them, he'll just be back to his plain self. He's, he feels like he's finally found his purpose or how he can help others. And he doesn't want to give that up. He, he doesn't want to give up his sense of, of purpose, his sense of value. And the nice thing is the group vouches for him, including Saya, despite her being a tsundere chick. And he's able to keep his guns, he gets her dad's respect, and at the end of the show, he, her dad, both her parents actually are like, please take care of our daughter, she's in your hands.
1: In episode 11, Dead Storm Rising, Team Beat Takashi decides to extend their stay at Takagi Abbey and elect Takashi as their de facto leader because he was basically doing this job anyways. Professor Piece of Shido rears his ugly face at the mansion's doorstep, but is immediately cancelled and expelled after Ray-Ban exposes his anime scheming, but decides against killing him because it's good for her character development. The powers that be, however, decide that killing is a necessary evil given the shitty state of the world, and so Call of Duty zombie warfare breaks out as missiles fly across the sky in hopes that everyone will die.
0: So this is that moment I was talking about earlier with the creepy teacher where it's like that, that climactic moment between him and Ray, where she outs him for everything that he did, saying that he's corrupt, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I guess it just explains like why she was held back a year. So I I don't have much to take away from that, but uh, I don't know. The group appoints Takashi as their leader. And um, I guess what's important to note about that is that Saya's dad says, well, he's leader material. But he's not there yet because his heart still wavers. And I'm like, wavers about what? Are they trying to say that they're establishing a harem, especially between Psycho and Ray, but maybe also Saya? I'm like, what do you mean by wavers, okay? Just just admit that you still have feelings for Rey.
1: I mean, something happens on that bed when Ray comes on to him.
0: Yeah, but I don't think it's as like provocative as what may have happened between him and psycho because yeah, they kind of pan away for a bit, but then he's like, oh sorry, are you still in pain? I think maybe whatever they're going to, they were going to do gets cut short. That's my interpretation of that scene. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the psycho stuff we'll never know. There's no confirmation. But all in all at the end of the episode, the group decides to continue with their original mission of rescuing everyone's families. And, uh, yeah, Syed decides to say goodbye to her parents.
1: And in the final episode, episode 12, All Dead's Attack. I don't know what you heard about me, but a bitch can't get a zombie out of me. No Cadillac, just an army Humvee, because that's a motherfucking EMP wow (laughs) takagi abbey experiences its own version of the second sun mission from call of duty modern warfare 2 as hordes of undead show up on their doorstep for a lights out party thanks to professor piece of shido's bang bus thus team beat takashi does what they do best in beating back these brainless bakas alongside takagi fam until they can ride their humvee into the not so starry starry night And thus the gang merrily rolls along to their next apocalyptic adventure, which involves a spooky shopping spree at a local mall. Will they make it out alive? Normally, I would say go read the manga, but I think that suggestion is long undead and gone.
0: Again, people get slapped because Saya gets slapped by her mom. There's like okay, all my notes here are so just many like
1: slapping moments. Yeah,
0: all my notes here are just like funny things that happen in this episode. So Saya getting slapped by her mom. Uh when I think when Saya's mom takes off her coat and she's like ready to kick some zombie ass. And then Kota's like, Mama. <laughs> that was so <laughs> yeah. funny. Oh my god, that was great. Um, and then there's that moment at the end of the episode where Psycho fucking helps tilt the car to get past the bus that crashed. Like there's no way,
1: no way. she's kind of like Mikasa though, from AOt and how overpowered she she actually is. yeah,
0: <laughs> um, and then, of course, at the end, I don't know if we there's any confirmation, I don't think there is of what happens to Saya's parents, but they choose their duty to protect others over their daughter, and in turn, saya chooses her, I don't know. Her desire to be an adult and help everyone find the survivors over hanging back with her parents she gets
1: to prove whatever point she wants to make.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a really nice intimate moment between her and her parents. It's not like they hate each other or like she's mad at them or whatever. Like it's it's closure, but it is you know a daughter going her separate ways from her parents, possibly never to see each other again.
1: And I looked this up Um, because there is a High School of the Dead wiki. Uh, As far as Mr. and Mrs. Takagi go, their status is still unknown.
0: So they could be alive, because like the scene with Psycho, if you don't see it happen, the other situation could be true.
1: Which I think is also the case for Shido, because I know he crashed the bus when the EMP blast hit or whatever, But I don't think we actually see him perish. We see him sort of like waver at the driver's seat. But then I think that there was like only one shot and then we don't see him again.
0: Oh, I'm sure he comes back or at least there was a plan for him to come back.
1: Yeah. Like with whatever the shopping mall arc would have been um, in the next arc. But that's not like, why would you want to go to a shopping mall next?
0: All the supplies, the clothing. I
1: guess. Yeah. But and maybe it's just my mindset of you never want to be in a dense urban area during a zombie apocalypse. But as this show is kind of broken against those sort of norms that we see in zombie media, there's probably a, a valid read. Like you said, supplies. But I'm sure they will be met with some zombie pushback. But again, we will never know. I mean, we could read this part of the manga with the... 12 remaining chapters there are but it would have been great to at least see those in anime form but again that's now it's it's just going to be headcanon for us last thing we do get the last meta moment in this episode with Shizuka i forget exactly what was happening but i think in the midst of the battle takagi asks her why are you dozing off And she responds, that's how the author wrote me. Um, So fourth wall-breaking moment here. Um, I don't think we need much headcanon to determine how Shizuka plays a role on the team for the rest of the story. Uh, But just uh, another great random moment in this series that makes the experiences in this zombie apocalypse a little bit more lighthearted. And that leads us into our final thoughts for High School of the Dead. So, how many undead fleshlights out of 10 would you give this anime?
0: I originally gave it an 8 out of 10, and I would say the same score holds true today. 8 out of 10. What this anime does, it does well. Action sequences making the etchy flow kind of seamlessly with the story, although we do acknowledge that some moments are just pure etchy. Um, capturing that Western zombie action movie feel and the, the horror behind that. But with only 12 episodes, there isn't much of like a main story established other than the world going to shit. And I guess the start of like the main group's mission to save others, although I can't imagine that's their final goal, um, and just basically them trying to survive at the end of the day. So there's limited character development, limited backstory, even around the main character himself. So there are just some things that suffer only because not everything can be packed into 12 episodes and still maintain good pacing. And then as I mentioned not not that long ago, the hype kind of like wanes a little bit in the later episodes once they get to Saya's house. So I would have liked to have that hype carry through if there were only going to be 12 episodes because it's kind of a bummer that you you feel great for the majority of the show and then things like slow down a bit and that's it you don't get anything else to kind of bring that hype back up but it was still the last three episodes were still good to watch but all in all I think the reason I I really enjoy High School of the Dead is just the way everything is done like Even down to the screams, the gore, the scary parts. like All of them are really well done, really convincing, and feel like what you'd see in a Western zombie film. The cinematics are also incredible. The camera angles and the way they move through the environment, or even the way they move through a pair of tits or between two legs. (laughs) I think it's all really purposeful, really intentional. Obviously, very intentional with the etchy stuff, but it, it never... Is over the top or is try hard I, it's all very well done and I love the animation I don't I don't think I mentioned that earlier I love the animation I kind of wish that more anime had this nostalgic style I don't know if that's the right term for it but there's something about the way that these characters are drawn that feels like old, not old school anime but it feels like it's not as common to see this type of animation style in in this day and age so I'd love to see more of it but it is nice to relive that through this rewatch but what about you what would you rate it
1: i would give high school of the dead a seven and a half out of ten i don't think it revolutionizes the zombie horror genre in extraordinary ways but it adheres to its tested and true formula by giving it an overpowered high school characters and anime spin that keeps it feeling a bit fresher than the undead flesh of these walking corpses. It's a bit debatable if the gratuitous etchy and fan service shots scattered throughout the series contributes in a, in a net positive way to that unique feeling, but you can't deny that it still gives the show a bit of a kinky charm. <laughs> in terms of overall content, however, the main characters feel like walking anime tropes and the plot is nothing unlike what you've already seen in zombie related tv shows and movies but maybe that's all high school of the dead wants to be just another b-list zombie tv show in the pantheon of the zombie library and that's fine what's not so fine or what's unfortunate is that we'll never get to see Daisuke Sato's entire vision for the series with his untimely passing and leaving us on a climactic precipice from which we will never get down. But for what it is, this first and only season of High School of the Dead was enough to get a nice taste, or should I say bite, of what a zombie apocalypse would look like with a sprinkle of shonen, shojo, and shots of lingerie.
0: Well, I wouldn't say that I was necessarily scared watching High School of the Dead, but I think it was a pretty good fit for the Halloween theme.
1: Would you say you were? Titulated,
0: sure, <laughs> I guess so.
1: <laughs> no, I enjoyed this rewatch as well. I don't know if it would be like a, a traditional rewatch we would do every Halloween, um, but yeah, I think it, it'd be just fun to watch every couple years just to think about what could have been with this anime, but also to enjoy it, like I said, for for what it is.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you have a wonderful and safe Halloween. And of course, don't forget to get your own Tokyo Treat box packed with exclusive Japanese snacks by following the link in the description and using code StrictlyAnime for $5 off your first box. Subscribe to Strictly Anime on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash thestrictlyseries and to Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.